All right, this morning, what I would like you to do is contemplate change. It's one of the most favorite words. I'm going to do this. You ready? Thank you. There. We're going to talk about change this morning. And we're continuing, we're going through uh, the book of Acts as a church. And we're growing so much. One of the reasons that we're doing this is that as the Lord is leading us into that next new thing for us as Concord Bible Church, we want to go back and we want to look at the first church. When the first church was established, what was it like? What was the freshness of those individuals having to face immense change, right? Immense change, yet having been so close to the time that Christ was here on earth. Being part of what the resurrection brought as a message of power. Being part of seeing the Holy Spirit do incredible, incredible things. And understanding that we as a church today, 2,000 years later, should be experiencing those same things. So as we go through Acts, it really is kind of a measuring rod, right? You guys... Did you ever grow up with mom or dad marking the wall with how tall you were? And then you had to move? And, and it was before you took a picture, so it all just went away. And you're sad. And Oh, that was my life. Okay. <laughs> so we want to look at the book of Acts as an understanding, as a measuring rod, but also for inspiration. So we're going to be in Acts 9 today. As, as we look at the passage that we have today, take a moment and contemplate one thing you need to change. Now, you may already have something in your mind. You may have something that someone close to you has been telling you for years that you need to change. You may have something that infomercials tell you you need to change. Or your doctor is telling you you need to change. What is that one thing? For many of us, it's a habit. Can you relate to that one? For many of us, it's a habit. Maybe for some of us, there's a location change coming. Samuel Bushra. Samuel is so much part of our church. I look at Vivian's like, why are you calling him out in front of everybody? Because we love Samuel. And his location change is happening for great reasons. Amen? For great reasons. So you all can hit him up after service and find out what's going on in his life. Now you're all nervous and I got your attention. Okay, let's continue. Maybe it's your occupation. How many of you have gone through an occupation change recently? Or you're going to be going through one? Those are hard, aren't they? Those are challenging. Maybe it's a relationship change careful <laughs> careful maybe it's a characteristic change within yourself have you ever gone back and read the inner folds of your yearbook maybe you're that person you need to go back and see how popular you were how well liked you were you need some of that daily dose of inspiration coffee's just not cutting it anymore you keep that little note about 
Oh, you were so great in gym class. You know, stuff like that, right? Maybe there's a characteristic that we need to change. What we're looking at today is a change that happened within a brutal, brutal individual. His name was Saul, and I'm going to give you a real quick background on him. That he was a very passionate individual about excelling in what he was pursuing. Have you ever met someone like that? Maybe that's you, right? No limitations. I'm going for it. And, and we hear that all the time, right? Nike, just do it, you know, uh, on and on and on. And so Saul was uh, a, a Pharisee. He was a religious leader of sorts. He had gone to school for all of this. He had gone to the, uh, the school that Gamaliel, another Pharisee, a highly revered Pharisee, uh, that, that he, he was under. And Saul was a highly motivated individual to rise up through the ranks and become a power player. And so what happens with the early church is they start making problems, just like Jesus made problems to the establishment, and that's why he was killed. They killed him and thought, everything's fine now. We're all good. We cut the head off, so to speak. No, because of the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection, Christ's message came and changed people's hearts and lives. It was powerful. And so what happened, instead of everything diminishing and going down, it just proliferated. It grew immensely by thousands a day. Unparalleled change. And so those religious leaders got very nervous, just like they did with Jesus Christ. Because this was a threat to their establishment. Who are these activists, anyway? And so it got so brutal to a certain point that there was one individual that was a disciple of Christ. He was a deacon in the church. His name was Stephen. And they arrested Stephen. They brought him in front of this council and charged him with blasphemy. The same thing they charged Christ with. You see, they were able to kill Christ because of this charge, so in the same way, we'll kill Stephen. And that's exactly what they did. And this man, Saul, was there. And it's said, and it's understood, even by Saul's own testimony, that he gave approval that Stephen should be killed. Now, you've just killed one of the leaders of your opposition. Literally murdered him in the streets. And there's no fallout. There's no consequence. So what happens for Saul? He sees opportunity. He sees an incredible opportunity, and so he goes and he starts running from house to house where he knew believers were. And he started pulling them right out of their own homes. And he would throw them in jail to get them to stop believing in Jesus Christ. I will eliminate that threat, even if I have to kill you. Who knew these stories were in the Bible? Right? Who knew that this kind of drama was going on in the name of Christ? Brothers and sisters, this is happening right now around our world. Right now around our world. The brutality. What do we do? We, we hear over and over about how we need to change things. But change doesn't come easy, does it? And sometimes we're promised change, and yet it really doesn't happen the way it should. And so we're going to look at that today and see how can we have sustainable, 
profitable change for good. And so something different happens to Saul. And we looked at this last week. He had an encounter with Jesus. Some of you have heard this described as the road to Damascus, right? How ironic that one of the most violent places in the world, that on that road, there is a violent encounter that happens for this violent man. Jesus met force with force. And he comes as a bright light and a voice, and he blinds Saul. And the very enemy of Christ, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? See, Jesus cares so much that when we persecute his family, when someone persecutes his family, Jesus feels it. Jesus says, you're, perse you're persecuting me. That's how much he loves and cares for his children. And so this is where today we pick up the story. You see, Saul is blinded by this light. He has this encounter with Jesus, and he's changed. He's changed. But what does that mean? Have you ever experienced in a relationship situation where someone needed to make a change, and they promised, oh, I've changed. I've changed. And yet there's struggle. There's still struggle. There's still difficulty. Today, we're going to talk about how do you really see permanent change? Get below the surface. How do you see it? Saul's challenge is a credibility challenge, and it's a trust issue. You see, when we pick it up, let's go to it now. Let's go to the passage, Acts 9. We're talking about the changed life today. And so pick it up in verse 19, if you will. And this is where we're going to focus today. Back up one page here. It says this, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. So Saul has had this encounter with Christ. He's gone blind. A disciple who is so fearful because he knows Paul or Saul was coming to kill the individuals or at least take all of those who are Christians all the way back, 150 miles, walking from Damascus all the way back to Jerusalem just to imprison them. This was the individual that you were frightened of. And Ananias knew he was coming. And God comes in a vision to Ananias and says, I need you to go out and I need you to find this guy. He's in this house and I need you to go get him and I need you to bring him to your place and I need you to care for him and I need you to lay hands on him and give him the Holy Spirit. You want me to what? Let me just check that. Because I don't think I heard that right. And yet, we, that was our last point last week, is that sometimes when belief is hard, belief requires what? Let's see if anybody was paying attention. Courage. It requires courage. And Ananias obeyed God. And through that effort, there was healing for Saul's eyes. Through Christ's encounter with Saul, there was healing for the number one most wanted offender to Jesus Christ. Regardless of what anybody has done to you, regardless of how evil someone might be, nobody is beyond the reach of Jesus' love. Amen? So this is where we pick it up. Saul is now in Damascus. He's healing. There's a group of believers that were there. That's who he was going after. And look at what happens. Saul is now with them. How would you accept him? How would you deal with him? 
right? For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Wow. You talk about change. This person did a complete 180. Have you ever had that experience? I Recently, I was out with the family. I don't even remember where it was. But we were getting dinner, and they served vegetables. And I was eating my vegetables. And somebody, some blessed soul at the table said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you don't eat that. I said, yeah, I do. I eat vegetables. No, everybody. No, you don't. I'm like, well, I am now. And I just start shoveling it right. I'll show you guys. I can eat vegetables. Have you ever done a complete 180? Have you ever seen somebody do a complete 180? Just sustainable. This is what we're seeing with, with Saul. This is what we're seeing with Saul. So let me take you through this real quickly. There's, there's three points here. Number one, Paul's kip changed. How do you have a changed life? Well, his kip changed. That's a little attempt for me to get you to say, what? What's a kip? It's one of these new fancy words I just learned. It means, in today's terminology, your posse, all right? It means the people you hang with. It means your crew, all right? It's your kip. You're learning some new stuff today, right? Take that one with you. It's not even Greek. It's our own language, all right? Look it up. I know you're going to do it. Some of you are Googling right now. Put your phones down. Paul's kip changed. He went from being a Pharisee that had this whole attitude of, of putting down and putting, putting this insurrection of Jesus' statements and, and his light and life. We're going to squash that. Let me give you a letter, says the high priest. Here's your authority. Go. Do it. You're one of us. Boom. Encounter Jesus. Now you're not. You see, when you see true change happen, sometimes you change who you roll with. Right? Sometimes you change who you roll with. And what's amazing about this, that his community changed, is the community should have been scared to death like Ananias. And yet they were faithful to Christ. This is what it means to live with the love of Christ. This is what it means for the church to say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter your statements, your pattern of life, your choices, whatever you have done that, that may be um, just a, a fist to Christ, a fist to God. We want God to work in your life. We want to see Christ come into your life and do a change. We love you. Now this is exactly what the brothers and sisters in Damascus did with Saul. And never was there more of a challenging, challenge, life-threatening acceptance 
than for them. What are we willing to do? You see, if there's been a true change in our hearts because of Christ, because of an encounter with Christ, like Saul. Now I say Saul. Saul changes his name. This is one of the true effects of change. He changes his name to Paul. He doesn't want to be associated with what he did in the past. And so you won't see that in the text today, but we're going to be getting to it. So, but most people think of him as Paul, so that's why I have it this way. Paul's kip changed, his community changed. Paul's message changed. He started speaking about Jesus, not railing against him. Have you ever been in a position where you spoke this, you spoke this, and you believed that this was your truth, or it was the truth, and all of a sudden you have an encounter that completely changes your thinking? Do you know that exponentially every year you grow older, that becomes a, an exponential impossibility? It's called the stubbornness of age. The stubbornness of experience. The stubbornness of our own pride. And yet what does Saul go through? In order to put himself at the mercy of the brothers and sisters who he was there to persecute, he had to approach with humility. He had to let go of his pride. He had to trust in the one who called him by name, Jesus Christ. And so one of the effective ways that Saul changed was his message changed. You saw it in the text. You saw where he started proclaiming Jesus all throughout Damascus for a long period of time, and even so much so that the Jews there were completely confused. They're like, you now eat vegetables? What's going on with you? What is going on with you? Did you fall? Did, did, did you hit your head on a, on a Damascus stone? What, what has happened? Jesus happened. And when Jesus does the change in your life, you start to speak a different message. Amen? You, spark, you start to speak the message of Christ. What's the third point I want you to see here in what we examine in this story? Well, Paul's image changed. What do I mean by that? How many of you watch those image shows where people take over and, and you take someone that they've spent like a week really messing them up, right? Like they, they do all this weird stuff with their hair and then they, they do all this weird stuff with their teeth and then they dress them really poorly just so you can see a dramatic change. And they come in and say, we're going to change your whole life. We're going to change your image. And then there's the big reveal at the end and they pull back a curtain and here's this completely different person, and we buy this whole bill of goods that this is who we're supposed to be. Sorry, give me the billy bob teeth and the messy hair. I'm much more comfortable in that world, as long as I've got Jesus. But see, the real change in my image should be because Christ is in me. And so maybe it's that characteristic. You see, his image changed so much that those who he, his previous kip, we're completely confused. So we don't know this guy. He doesn't look the same. And then those that he was running to that were scared of him were saying the same thing. We don't know this guy. His image has changed. You see, when you encounter Jesus, there's something different that happens to your image. I hope you can see that in some of these children up here this morning. That the joy of Christ was very evident. How do you know if you've encountered Jesus? Well, number one, sometimes that change shows itself in, in who you 
surround yourself with. Number two, it, it changes in the message that you start proclaiming. Number three, with Saul, his image changed. His image changed. Well, let's look at how this affects us, and we'll wrap up this morning. By the way, this is Saul at the end of, now his name is Paul, and he is before a king up in Caesarea. Uh, he is being tried against crimes against Rome. The Jews so desperately wanted to do exactly what he wanted to do, kill him off because he was being so effective. And so he's before a Roman king, King Agrippa, kind of cool. You know, sometimes we look at scripture and we say, oh, well, this is just, you know, some parables and it's this and it's that. No, the, the, you can look in Roman history, you can look in world history, this is a real king, King Agrippa. And he was the patriarch, um, or the tetrarch, over the northern regions of Israel. And I've been to Caesarea, and if you go with us on our Israel trip in the winter, early spring, you will be there too, and you'll stand in the same place that Saul said, or Paul said these words. So he says, therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. There's a change. But declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. This is what happened in my life, Agrippa. I changed. And this is the message that I brought. And this message changed many others. Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. This is the testimony, and this is true. And so this morning, as we look at Saul's changed life as a result of encountering Jesus, we see that his community changed. We see that his message changed. We see that his image changed. How does that affect us? What do we do with that? If that's the story this morning, what do we pull from that that we can walk away with? Let me ask you this question. When it comes to change for yourself, how many of us struggle with change? Don't raise your hand. Of course we do. We have things that we're going to be bringing to our, our, our congregation next Sunday afternoon that will be changed, and we'll struggle with that. Because we're used to what we're used to, but God calls us to something more. And if we trust in that sweetness of His will, there's a beauty that happens in our life. There's a change that happens in our life that can never happen outside of Christ's work. I made the mistake one time of saying to someone I know, they had revealed to me that growing up they had had a drug problem during their college years and really struggled. I had been sharing how I was counseling uh, at one time with someone and they had the same issue and the same challenge. And I said this, I said, you know, outside of Christ, I don't know how anybody ever changes. That was a huge mistake. Because this person came back to me and said, well, I had a huge drug problem in college. I don't have Jesus Christ, and I changed. I'm sitting there thinking, I have nothing else left to say. What did I just do? I didn't really think through that. This is the kind of change we're going to go a little deeper right now. We're going to go deeper for you and for me. Looking at Saul's life, we see what happened for him. So much of the time, we can address and we can put a Band-Aid on something, can't we? A lot of times I stand up here with jeans and maybe a, a button-down plaid shirt. That's what I was wearing last week. I changed. Now you're all very impressed with my image, aren't you? Go ahead. You can. It's fine. 
You see, I can dress it up so that certain people are more satisfied. I can dress it down like last week so certain people are more satisfied. It's exhausting trying to pick my clothes every Sunday morning. Can I just tell you that that really stupid illustration plays out with what we do as a society and as a culture when it comes to trying to really solve the problems that we face? Is there some success? Absolutely. We're fools not to admit that there is some success. But is there permanent success? You see, if we don't go to the spirit, we don't go to the soul. We're just dressing it up. And we're struggling, and we're struggling, and we're struggling to maintain that change. It's not a life change. It's not something that brings freedom. It's something that brings discipline, good. It's something that brings effort, good. It's something that brings accountability, good. All good things and are part of the, the Christian daily walk. But folks, this is why we struggle with trust with people who have hurt us. Because we know in our frailty, walking in our natural person, failure is just around the corner. Failure can be just around the corner. We can have a certain modicum of success but really, as we learn from Saul and Paul, the same person, just so no one's confused, real change is an encounter with Christ that leads you to what? It changes your purpose. If we don't address the deeper things of the spirit and the soul, then we're always going to be in tension, right? Why do most people self-medicate? because of the damage in the hole that is in the soul, right? But we can say that that's killing me, whatever it is. It makes me feel better temporarily, but it's killing me, so I'm going to stop. But we're not free yet. Imagine murdering the best friend of the people you're now staying with. Imagine the scrutiny, imagine the guilt, imagine all of that that goes with what Saul did. And yet he was freely accepted. Why? Because Christ did the change. And it was evident. Paul's purpose changed. What about you and I? The purpose changes when you encounter Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is our theme verse this year. When you encounter Christ, there is a new purpose in your life. Amen? Second point. Your purpose changes when you... Oh, whoops. That's already, I already did that. Your second point is your perspective changes when you encounter Christ. Just like Paul, right? His understanding, his mission, it all changed. Your perspective changes. And so Paul himself writes these words to the church at, Coloss or at Colossae. And he says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind. Does that sound like he's talking about himself? Right? And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to what? Here's the beauty of the change. Present you holy and blameless. How many of you would love to be absolutely free from all the guilt of the things that you have made as far as bad choices? 
in Jesus Christ, that's real. Why? Because Jesus did the reconciling. Jesus did, he paid the penalty for that sin by hanging on the cross. It's done, it's over. And so what has to happen so that we experience that? You have to encounter Christ. What does that mean? You have to seek him, you have to listen when he calls, and you have to respond. That response in, in driving towards Christ and pursuing him and saying, I'm going to change because you're causing the change in my heart. I want that freedom. I want that freedom. And so he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. You think he changed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Last point for you and I this morning. So the question is for you and I, number one, are we ready for our purpose to change? That's only really going to happen if we encounter Christ. Number two, your perspective changes when you encounter Christ. Things become new. You live in this same challenging world as I do, but there's a newness, there's a hope that Jesus provides just like Paul understood, even in the midst of suffering. And lastly, there we go. I got it, finally. Your path changes when you encounter Jesus. Some of you understand this. And we all have different paths. We all have different routes. Saul's path was on the way to Damascus to kill his enemy. He had an encounter with Jesus and his path changed. His purpose changed. His priority changed. His perspective changed. This is what happens when you encounter Jesus. Some of us don't like change. Some of us saying, I don't want my path to change. That's too scary. But by making that choice and blocking Jesus out of your life, you're saying, I don't want the joy. I don't want the freedom that you bring, the real depth of that. That's what's it cost, my friend. Let me close with this this morning. Three ways to really understand how this works when you encounter Jesus. Invitation, confirmation, affirmation. If I'm going to surmise this, I would say this is kind of how you can look at how it works and as you pursue Christ. This is how it works. Invitation, Jesus is reaching out to you, just like with Saul. Saul is on his way to do his own thing, and Jesus in intersects with him, right? Jesus reaching out to you. There's an invitation Saul, stop persecuting me. Follow me. There's the invitation. Is his invitation to you this morning the same? Think about that. Before you walk out today, that invitation is there for each of us. Some of us have accepted that invitation. And so how do we know that? Because there's been confirmation. As we accepted the invitation, Christ comes in, starts to change our life, and he does things in our life that go way beyond the surface of change. The things we can do. Folks, we cannot pay for lifetime. It is impossible. Anywhere from thirty dollars to $38,000 is what it costs for us to run lifetime. Look around. You see how big our church is. 
Last time I checked, we don't have any millionaires. I haven't asked in about seven years. But uh, we don't have any millionaires that are giving huge donations. Seven years running now, God has done something we cannot do. This is what it means to run with Christ. This is what it means to have that grace and understand. This is the confirmation that he's with you. Look for those things. Lastly, affirmation. Saul's affirmation is that the body accepted him. Why? Because his image changed. And because he was proclaiming Jesus. And so the people accepted him. He ended up having a powerful ministry. The other apostles accepted him. This morning in closing, I want to read to you this one statement. It's a song written by a really bad 80s band that I loved. Um, and they actually had a, a not too well-known singer named Bono singing with them on this. The song is by The Call, and the lead singer to The Call is a believer, was a believer, is a believer, Michael Bean. He's no longer with us, but he wrote this song called What's Happened to You. Listen to these words and tell me if this isn't reflective of the change Jesus does in someone's life. My encouragement in closing today is simply this. If you have seen this change in your life because you've encountered Jesus, praise God. Look for the confirmation. Look for the affirmation. If you have yet to see this change, maybe your invitation is this morning. Maybe it is this morning for you. And maybe looking for that deeper sense of change that provides freedom in Christ and turns darkness into light. Maybe that opportunity is here right now to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to these words and see if this is reflective of your image. What's happened to you? You used to be so shy. You used to hang your head down. You wouldn't look in my eyes. Did you see some great vision? Did you finally break through? Did you shake the foundations? What's happened to you? What's happened to you? You used to look so tired. Now there's a spring in your step and your words are on fire. Did you hear some great secret? Did the words ring of truth? Did you rise from the ashes? What's happened to you? Where the four winds meet, the world is so still. The waves are not pounding and the hungry are filled. What's happened to you? You used to be so unkind. You used to curse at this poor world. So what changed your mind? What stirred such compassion is a mystery to me. I don't know what happened. Oh, but I like what I see. These words are reflective of what happened when you encountered Jesus Christ. Is that invitation here for you today? Let's pray in closing today. Thank you for being here. And as you're leaving today, I just encourage you, please, if you're sensing that invitation or you have a question about what it means to know Christ, I'm going to stand right up here. Please, come speak with me. I would love to pray with you, answer any questions that you might have this morning. And thank you so much for coming. It's a celebration day today. And we're so glad that, that you are here. And we ask that the Lord would continue to do a work in your life. And this morning, if you've brought your gifts and offerings, uh, you can drop those in the box on the left-hand side. And thank you for that. I'm going to pray for the offering as well. Let's bow in prayer. To you, Father, we proclaim all glory. We know, Lord God, that 
that deep change happens because of Christ encountering our life. Because of the work that your Son does in our life through the Holy Spirit as well. So much so that our image changes and leaves people saying, what's happened to you? I don't know what happened, but I like what I see. Thank you, Father God, for salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hope that you offer. And this morning, I'm actually going to go a little bit off the prayer for a moment, and you all just keep praying. But I just feel led right now by the Spirit to ask if there's someone who wants prayer this morning concerning change, concerning their own soul, concerning their relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I'm just going to ask that you just look up at me so I can know to pray for you. If there's anybody that they feel that that invitation is coming to you this morning from Christ, and you have questions, and you sense a need for change, amen, amen, then just look up at me so I know who to pray for. Amen. Thank you. Father God, we commit this to you. Continue to use this message to speak to each person today and for us to contemplate how our image can reflect you. So people around us this week will say, what's happened to you? And we think about how Saul changed into Paul. Take this offering that we give, Father, use it for your glory. Use it for your blessing, God. Amen.